Tom Kisslingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell, as always. Guys, we... We, we finally got off that last trek we were on, and we're on to, to like preseason football, but there is no preseason football. We're going to preview these teams, though, and kind of talk about what's on our minds with each team as a dynasty owner. First, before we get to that, though, we should bring in Ryan and Matt. Matt, how you doing, bud? Doing good. Just back from a much-needed vacation. So, uh, yeah, I'm rested, ready to go. Ready for the football season, right? Yeah, I, we we well, last time we talked, we thought maybe we were still in question, but it certainly seems like it's it's going to happen now. I don't know if you guys have watched any hard knocks, but I thought it is really interesting how uh like in the locker rooms how the how the 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 uh, lockers are basically spaced out and everything and how they're doing stuff. I'm a little bit more annoyed with with Sean McVay now after <laughs> seeing him. It seems like the Chargers are doing doing things better at least from a COVID standpoint. So, yeah, man, I'm excited for the season. I can't wait. You know, I love that there's two teams, not to make this a a show about that that show i guess uh about hard knocks but there there's definitely a difference between the two teams that are that are shown on there and it makes you think twice about okay if they showed all 32 teams i wonder i wonder who the worst is at this stuff (laughs) i'm gonna say the washington football team (laughs) oh that's horrible all the former redskins fans are are now very angry with you matt uh ryan how you doing bud I am doing well. I'm growing uh, more confident, more positive as Good. as the days go on when it comes to the football season. So yeah, I'm I'm just ready to go. We're we're all real fired up for week one. I don't, I don't know how we feel about week two, but that's for another pod. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about what we are thinking about with all these teams. We're going to cover all 32 teams over the next two weeks, and we're going to start with the AFC. So it could be. Uh, just a player you're trying to acquire, a player you're trying to move on from, a scheme change, a player on a new team, a player with a questionable role, but something that each of us are thinking about with each team. Again, this is the AFC edition. Before we get started, though, we should talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. They are the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet and monkey knife fight is giving you free money and on top of it free dynasty football content with your initial deposit uh open a new account over at monkey knife fight and with a minimum ten dollar deposit not only will you have that free money to or that money available to work with at monkey knife fight you'll also get your free dynasty league football.com annual premium membership this also isn't just good for new members it's also good for any of you out there that's a DLF subscriber. You're going to get a, 
a year added onto your membership by adding some money to your account over at Monkey Knife Fight. Dot com. They're also going to match your initial deposit, uh, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. They feature football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and so much more. You'll find plenty of entertaining contests over at monkeyknifefight.com. They provide you DFS games with no salary caps, so if you correctly predict the outcome, you're guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals over there to prevent you from claiming your prize at Monkey Knife Fight. You will not get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate those other daily fantasy sites. Check out the new and improved DFS option prop bet option that prop bet experience over at monkeyknifefight.com you can claim your deposit match and your free dynastyleaguefootball.com premium membership okay guys let's let's roll through all 16 teams over in the AFC we each took a few Ryan you get to kick us off with the Buffalo Bills so i think uh, when i think buffalo bills i think josh allen um yeah. I, i'm kind of thinking more from a super flex uh, point of view here. So I, th- with, with that in mind, Josh Allen is the most valuable player uh, from a, a dynasty standpoint on that roster. And I'm just wondering if, if he can continue to establish himself as that consistent quarterback one. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm a little worried about his reliance on the running game. We, we know once his rookie year, once he, uh, came back from that injury and, and really took off in the second half of that season. He did it uh, in in large part with his legs as a runner. 47%, 47% of his rookie fantasy scoring was from rushing. Uh, 34% uh, last year was from from rushing. And uh, actually that's that's just from rushing yardage. When you when you look at touchdowns, it's it's even more. We're talking about forty four percent of his fantasy scoring from uh, from rushing the ball, and then just a couple of days ago, he comes out with a statement that he wants to run the ball less. They add Zach Moss, uh, so uh, he he's likely not going to lead the league, uh, lead all quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns like he has each of the past two years. And that's that has to be a concern for his fantasy production. You know, you mentioned that maybe this is a super flex topic, but I think it bleeds into single quarterback, Ryan, because he has been on that that fringe range. Those those guys that you you're certainly streaming in single quarterback leagues. But what you mentioned there is the consistency that hasn't come. He's really only useful and really productive in those weeks that he becomes a runner. And Matt, we'll bring you into this as well. I'm wondering how favorable is it that you, you know, it's different when you talk about Lamar Jackson, these guys that run a lot. When it comes to Josh Allen, he needs that touchdown rushing to add to that 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 passing production. Uh, he's a guy that I've been all over the map on. He, he's certainly a guy in these super flex leagues that you want as your quarterback too. But he's starting to creep into that quarterback one conversation in Dynasty because of his age. I'm wondering where you stand on Josh Allen. Yeah, I'm I'm not excited about him as my quarterback one. Uh, for me right now in, in 
in, in super flex stars and i guess one quarterback startups too it's after those it's really the top five you know uh with mahomes jackson watson murray and prescott those are the guys that i'm really interested in if i'm going to spend up at quarterback maybe wilson uh but one, after that i'm i'm waiting for for a while for my quarterbacks even in super flex uh, i just don't trust him as a passer and like you said you, he doesn't want to run as much ryan uh career 56 percent passer uh dating back to his years in college he did bump that up a little bit in 2019 up to 58 percent i'm just i'm just not sure that that's good enough at the nfl level uh but for fantasy purposes you know i i guess we don't necessarily care about that as much but it is a concern like you said with uh with with if he's if he is going to reduce the rushing load and they want to keep their quarterback healthy so uh and i know it's a long shot i've mentioned this before but it just seems like if this was the kind of quarterback they really wanted to buy into they might have brought in a guy like colin kaepernick or somebody some other guy where they could structure the offense the same if allen was to miss time and they didn't do that they brought in and Jake Fromm, who is uh, the really the opposite of, of, of Allen. Honestly, he's kind of that extension of the coach quarterback, one who's not going to take too many chances, going to keep the safe, a uh, high percentage passer, that kind of thing. So uh, I don't think Fromm has taken over in 2020, maybe not even in 2021, but we get to that, that, that contract uh, and they've got to pay up for Josh Allen. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You would you think they probably do it because quarterbacks are such a commodity in the NFL, but I do have my questions about that. So uh, I'm out on Josh Allen as a quarterback. Uh, at least for myself, for my own personal teams as a quarterback one. Uh, but if he does keep the rushing up, that's how he gets there. That's the only way he gets to that quarterback one discussion, in my opinion. The one thing that is good for the Bills is that they added another weapon with Stefan Diggs. We'll see how that plays out in 2020. I drew the Miami Dolphins as my team, and like Ryan mentioned, when I think about the Dolphins, it comes down to the quarterback and what they did at that position. Of course, they added uh, Tua Tungavaloa to take over that starting job at some point. Point, but I'm wondering uh, when that is going to come. Report, reports out of Miami say that Tua is being brought along slowly. Uh, Fitzpatrick, of course, is likely to be the opening day starter. 62% completion rate for Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2019, 20 touchdowns, those 13 interceptions in 15 games. But he's 37 years old. He was good for Devontae Parker and Preston Williams and even Mike Gusecki at times in 2019. But in 2019, just like in other years, he's been in and out of lineups. He's been that guy that's been pulled in games because he's throwing too many interceptions. And I'm just wondering how much that's going to happen in 2020 with Tua uh, kind of waiting in the wings, guys. So obviously Tua is the future. The earlier, the better when it comes to Tua and, and his dynasty prospects. But this this coaching staff, they want to win, Ryan. And Fitzpatrick probably gives them the best chance. So, so Ryan, when when does Tua take over, and is that good for those other parts of that offense? I think it might be a while. Um, as you said, they're they want to win, but I, I think what we saw from Miami last year is they're also committed to this process, right? Uh, I mean, they they ship off uh, Kenyon Drake. They traded. I'm forgetting his name now. They trade the defensive back to the Steelers, right? Like they they were locked in on that that plan that last year was a building year. And, and honestly, I think they're going to continue that through 2020. I don't think they necessarily expect to compete for a division title this year or for a playoff spot. They've, they've shown that they're going to, going to be patient, and I think they're going to be patient with Tua as well. Yeah, it really feels that way for me as well. It, you know, and really, 
Uh, Fitzpatrick was good for those those extra pieces in that Dolphins os- offense. Nobody nobody really is depending on those players to be their wide receiver one or their top tight end or or an elite player at their position. But certainly, uh, it feels like Tua getting his getting his feet wet and, and waiting a little bit before that happens might be best for those uh, extra options in that offense. Matt, let's talk about the New England Patriots. What what pops to mind for you when you think about the Pats and their offense? I, I think the easy question is, is what are we doing with Cam Newton? But I feel like he is significantly distant himself, and he probably did the day he was signed, honestly, from, from Jared Stidham. But... I feel like we know we if Cam's healthy, he's going to be good. I feel like we know that. So for me, it's 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 as always with the with the New England Patriots, and it's the running backs. And you know, the easy answer is always just avoid New England Patriots running back. But as but as a team, they're always in the top half of the league in terms of rushing production. So if you can find the guy, then you know it's beneficial to your teams. Obviously, it just seems even harder to find that guy this year in the past couple of years we thought it was going to be sony and, and it mostly was but even if it was we didn't care right it just wasn't the production wasn't there and then we've had all the reports this off season of of him uh being hurt and maybe not ready for week one now this week we it says he's probably ready for week one his his adp has been plummeting all the way down at running back 38 now so uh, you know at one point i was almost like maybe he's a value at this point like i'm, I'm kind of getting sucked back in again uh but i just don't know i don't feel good about that then we have Damian Harris, who was getting a little bit of buzz. Uh, he's at running back 51 in August ADP, uh, and he's my favorite of the bunch, I think. But if Sony's healthy, is he going to get the opportunity? James White is there, of course, always as the pass-catching role, but is his role going to be the same with Cam Newton at running back 42? He seems the safest of the bunch just from a PPR floor kind of situation. And and despite all the talk several years ago about, ago about Cam Newton, can he throw the ball short to Christian McCaffrey? Can he do it? Of course he can, so he probably can do the same thing to, for James White if they – decide to use him that way and then they brought in the veteran Lamar Miller who uh, is I don't know he's he's certainly not healthy yet but is interesting as as kind of a a, a a solid rock kind of piece for that backfield if Sony is unable to stay healthy or is just unproductive and Harris doesn't get the opportunity so uh, I don't know if he's just death piece or not for me I I, I I think the easy answer is white and the upside pick is Harris uh, and I just don't really want any part of Sony even at running back 38 but maybe that's wrong what do you what do you think Dan I think you introduced it perfectly Matt this is the question that we always ask, and we won't know until that week, really. It depends on matchup and, and really that, that what's going on inside Bill Belichick's brain. Uh, it feels to me that like Sony should really get his opportunity, and if he doesn't get it, that it's going to be Harris. And White will always have a role, and Miller was signed just in case. So I, I think there's value in all of them, and we'll see how it plays out in New England. Ryan, you had the New York Jets, and I really like your question that comes to mind when it comes to that New York offense. Yeah, the New York offense is is kind of gross. We've seen reports this week about Chris Hogan running with the ones, and that's, yeah, it's like, ugh. But a player I am interested in here is Chris Herndon. Uh, he was a huge, a huge player in the, in the dynasty space last year, a guy getting a lot of hype. In fact, in June of 2019, he got all the way up to tight end 12 in our ADP. So he's being drafted as a tight end one, a low end tight end one. Uh, and of course, the, the next few months were not kind to him. He was suspended for the first four games, I believe. Uh, when he came back, he uh, he dealt with a couple of different injuries, ended up playing less than 
less than one game last year and uh, essentially gave us nothing uh, for all of that hype and all of that uh, that investment that the dynasty players made in him. But if we think back to his rookie season, why we were excited about this player, he, he had five tight end one games as a rookie in that offense. Uh, his value has been steadily climbing up. He, he's back up to tight end 20 in our ADP, and I think he's still a value at that point. You know, Herndon is a guy that, that I've been investing in. Uh, that post-hype sleeper that you mentioned there that you talked about, that, that's, that's a term that gets thrown around, but I think he might be that ultimate post-hype sleeper, the guy that gets his opportunity finally healthy. Maybe we missed by a year because of that injury and the Sam Darnold stuff that happened, the whole mono thing. He wasn't really up to speed, and, and there still really isn't those other options in that New York offense. So perhaps Chris Herndon is the guy that jumps off at the tight end position this year, like like we seem to see see every single year. Let's move on to the AFC North. I drew the Baltimore Ravens, and I feel good about it. I think when you think about the Ravens, when any dynasty owner really thinks about the Ravens, the first name that comes to mind is Lamar Jackson. And the the first thing that you should think of when it comes to Jackson is probably if he can repeat that 2020 season, 66.1% completion percentage through for th- over 3,100 yards, 36 touchdowns, and just six interceptions. Also set that record with 1,200-plus rushing yards from the quarterback position and seven rushing touchdowns. I think most guys, fellas, expect some touchdown regression, but I don't really see it considering that offense. I expect Marquise Brown to take a step forward. Mark Andrews is a threat threat all over the field. He can turn a simple five-yard out route into a big touchdown play. He's a big red zone threat as well. And, and the threat of that rushing attack with Jackson and Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins now, that's going to continue to put pressure on defenses, create these passing opportunities for Lamar Jackson so as long as he stays healthy guys it really feels to me that he's going to contend to be that number one passer in dynasty in fantasy and be that elite prospect or elite elite player at the position I'd love to know what you think Matt yeah I think he absolutely can still be you know top three quarterback in 2020 but I I do think he's going to have to figure out other ways to do it you know nine percent touchdown rate second highest since the 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 merger uh, that that's not going to happen again. So that's coming down. If he gets back to league average, four and a half to five percent, maybe even six percent, then he still has a chance to be the quarterback one just based on his rushing ability. Uh, but you know, uh, I think he can be that. I just I just think we we have to have to temper expectations a little bit just because of the ridiculous passing numbers, and touchdown percentage that he put up in, in twenty nineteen. I'm really not. I'm I'm really not tempering those expectations because if if you remember back, if you think back to watching the Ravens play last year, he was running all over the field, defenses were sucking in, and he was dumping the ball over the top of those linebackers that that had to respect that rushing uh, prowess of Jackson. So they got inside the 10, they called this bootleg, all those guys sucked in, and it, he just dumped it to Mark Ingram or dumped it to Andrews or whoever was on the field. I think those touchdowns happen again. I wouldn't be surprised if he throws 36 once again. The 1,200 rushing yards, I, I guess some may. There, there's reason to think that there could be some regression because we've never seen anything like it. But it feels to me like Lamar Jackson is going to contend for that number one spot. 
once again. How about the Cincinnati Bengals, Matt? Who we got here? Yeah, this is maybe, I don't know, maybe a boring question, but I'm kind of interested in Auden Tate. Uh, you know, he he kind of showed up in 2019. Of course, a lot of that was because of injuries and A.J. Green and uh, and John Ross, and now A.J. Green is presumably healthy, although he did have a hamstring. It seems like he's, he's uh, you know, running again at least. So hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, and, and Boyd is certainly going to be there. Ross, always a question mark health. And now T. Higgins is banged up a little bit too. Uh, and we've had reports out of camp again. This is, this is the season of of misinformation, right? But it seems like uh, Auden Tate is impressing in camp again. The, the quote is uh, that he's an early front runner for offensive MVP of training camp. Zach, uh, Zach Taylor is super impressed. So I, I'm not. I think it might be difficult if everybody stays healthy for him to to repeat or increase on the 80 targets that he saw last year. Uh, but the numbers, you know, I think probably could uh, only 40 catches, 575 yards, and one touchdown. And he's got the he's got he's that big body guy, six five, 228 pounds, uh, and and, you know, I, I'm kind of interested in at his price right now, which is basically free if those other health concerns with those other players kind of kind of fall away. So I guess I guess my question for you guys is if, if A.J. Green and, and Tyler Boyd are both healthy, do any of those other receivers even matter? Because it seems like Joe Mixon's going to be the third option uh, based on what Burrow did with his running backs in college. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. If if both of those guys stay healthy, then uh, Tate or, or Ross or, or any of these guys probably honestly don't matter for 2020 but I mean when you look at Tate he's fifth on the depth chart right now behind all the guys you mentioned uh so he needs he needs at least two injuries to really matter luckily he's playing with the right guys for that to happen I mean AJ Green and and John Ross um and and as you mentioned even T Higgins has already kind of been banged up um, so uh, yeah, I don't hate it. And he's, he's probably sitting on waiver wires even after a, a pretty productive 2019 season. That might speak to where the Bengals are as far as dynasty owners, uh, are concerned is, is that the thing that comes to Matt or to mind for Matt price is the number five wide receiver, not Joe <laughs> Mixon, not Burrow, the number one pick overall, AJ green, any of these guys, it's Auden Tate, but I do agree, agree, Matt. There, there might be some value to mine there if it if everything falls right for Tate. I mean, they're surprisingly deep at wide receiver. It's it's a little bit shocking when you when you think about it. I think absolutely. Let's uh, move across the state and talk about the Cleveland Browns. Ryan, you drew the Browns. What what's on your mind with them? It's still Nick Chubb, and I know for a lot of people this is probably a, a, a you know a tired narrative, but. I I am still concerned, and I'm just wondering which version of Nick Chubb is is the real one because the first eight games, the first yeah, the first eight games of the season, uh, he was the RB six overall and scoring almost twenty fantasy points a game. And as soon as Kareem Hunt showed up in Week Ten, Chubb drops to RB fifteen, and his his fantasy scoring drops by nearly seven points a game, uh, and and across the board. His numbers came down. Of course, a lot of the talk is about his receiving numbers, and and that's that's no surprise. That's not going to change when when you put Kareem Hunt in the mix. Uh, Chubb Chubb is going to take a hit at at, at uh, anything receiving related, but his rushing touchdowns. He he averaged .75 rushing scores a game uh, before Hunt, and only only scored twice. On, on the ground after Hunt um, joined the team. So I don't, I don't have the answer. Like I said, I know that's, that's a storyline that a lot of people have talked about this offseason. 
and and it's a reason that Nick Chubb's dynasty ADP has been steadily falling over the past few months. I think all dynasty owners, Ryan, are at least somewhat concerned. Those guys that have Chubb on their roster with with just everything that you mentioned there. I wonder, you know, it seems like in the redraft community, fellas, that that they're that everybody thinks Kareem Hunt is that that guy that can take over if he gets the chance to take over immediately jumps up to a top five running back. And I completely agree with that. But if both of them are healthy all year long, projecting forward, Ryan, how do you see these two guys hunt? Of course, expected to be a free agent next year. Chubb still under contract. Who's more valuable if all, or if both of them play all 16, they're both as productive as they were in those last handful of games last year. What do you kind of see happening as you project them going forward? I think Chubb would still be more valuable, um, especially if, if Hunt is is leaving town and, and kind of leaving that job wide open to him, I don't think we can assume even if Kareem Hunt plays like he did the the second half of the season that he gets a starter a starting job in the NFL as a free agent. Just uh, just the volatility of the position and and how little action there's been on the free agent market with running backs. I don't think we can assume he gets a starting job anywhere else. Hmm, that's really interesting. All of us as dynasty owners will be watching Cleveland to see how that plays out. I'll be keeping on my eye on that backfield for sure as well. The last team we have to talk about here before taking a quick break is the Pittsburgh Steelers guys. And Ryan, I was kind of hoping that you were the one to draw the Steelers. I'm sure sure to get your opinion here when it comes to Juju Smith-Schuster because when I think about the Steelers, it's all about Juju. Sure, Ben's coming back. We'll see how that projects going forward. Connor, maybe he got healthy and, and can have that big season that all of us kind of expected a year ago. But when it comes to the Steelers, it's all about Juju. That Of course, the huge breakout in 2018 with uh, Antonio Brown on the roster, 111 catches, 1,426 yards, and seven touchdowns, played all 16 games. But last year, really the biggest disappointment in fantasy football, 42 catches, 552 yards, and just three touchdowns in 12 games, killed dynasty owners everywhere. A lot of us were investing in Juju, paying up that big-time price, first-round startup grade for Juju Smith-Schuster. He's still only 23, though. Uh, Reports say he might not be back in Pittsburgh a year from now. That might be a good thing, maybe a bad thing, though, as well. It, It seems to me, fellas, that he's most effective in the slot, but he struggled there last season despite playing 58% of his snaps in the slot. Many point to the return of Big Ben as, a, as the reason that Juju will bounce back in 2020, but the Steelers have a lot of talented wide receivers over there in Pittsburgh. Uh, they're going to move inside and outside. Those guys can play multiple positions. They even added Evan, or excuse me, Eric Ebron, uh, who's a good slot option as well. So, you know, Really, when it comes down to it, Juju struggles against that physical man coverage, which is expected when he goes to the outside. He needs motion, and he needs space that the slot provides to get off the line of scrimmage. So, to me, guys, it feels like Juju may never return to that value that he was in 2018. I'm certainly concerned. I'm not willing to pay the price 
that it costs to get Juju Smith-Schuster on, a, on your team in a startup or in trade. I'm wondering, Ryan, what, what are your thoughts on Juju? What realistically do you expect after not being able to put him in your lineup in the second half of 2019? You felt like you had to throw realistic in there, huh? <laughs> realistic, yeah, yeah, it's important. <laughs> Um, well, first, I mean, definitely still, still love, love Juju, but I mean, I do, I do get the concern for the most part. I'm, I'm throwing away what we saw last year. Uh, but I, I think we'll know really quickly, um, which version of Juju we're going to get moving forward because it, it, it's easy to say. And, and I have been saying, forget about 2019 and, and Ben wasn't there, but, but Ben was there for the first six quarters and Juju was not playing well. They did not have uh, that same connection. And I know that's, that's a very small sample size, but we were, we were a little bit worried even before that big Ben injury. So uh, I think we'll know early in the season, you know, if we go the first two, three games and, and Deontay Johnson's, uh, the man out there and Claypool's getting red zone targets, Juju's value is going to plummet. Matt, your thoughts on Juju? I, I think I'm more on, on Ryan's side. I'm optimistic. You know, we, we, we really want to prop up Deontay Johnson, uh, who was, you know, very good with some bad quarterbacks last year. But, you know, he's he has some injury concerns of his own. He's missed five, last five days of practice. He's got this calf injury that, you know, we know these soft tissue injuries linger. Uh, James Washington, I'm still excited about. But I think Juju's the guy that's going to make the offense run. It just depends on how they're going to deploy him. If they're going to use him again primarily in the slot, I think him and, him and Roethlisberger have that connection. And, and, and hopefully Johnson and... Washington are both healthy so that they can play outside and he, he can have that role. But, uh, yeah, I, in terms of him propping all the way back up to the wide receiver one overall, where, where some of us had him at, at one point, uh, I won't name any names, Ryan. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure he can get there necessarily, but if he has a big season, I mean, he's got the youth on his side as well. So uh, he, it's certainly within the range of outcomes. I just I find it hard to believe. I, I am buying into the Steelers offense in 2020 in general, though I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. So. So uh, I'm leaned more towards Ryan, uh, but uh, I understand the concerns. Yeah, I'm just leery. I, I'm rooting for Juju. I really like him. He's certainly fun to follow on Twitter and, and you know, see all the things that he does uh, in the community and with kids and, and with his video game avatar and all those kind of things. So uh, he's an exciting player for sure. Uh, before we move forward onto the AFC South, let's talk about our friends over at DynastyOwner.com. Hey, you, as a dynasty owner, have you been looking for that new challenge? Well, it's start, time to start playing over at Dynasty Owner this season. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office experience. Dynasty Owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise to, to the regular Dynasty experience. Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. Leagues are forming right now. That's DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. We've all been in leagues where the winner just got lucky. If you're, if you're like me and you know you're better than most of those players in your league, leagues dynasty owner gives you the platform to prove it and dynasty owner favors 
receivers, skilled players who can manage their roster using those real NFL salaries with the salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. Validate your fantasy football skills. That's DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. How about the Houston Texans, Matt? They they shook things up in the offseason, made a couple moves. What's on your mind when it comes to comes to that offense? Yeah, they made a, a lot of moves, including one of the maybe the worst in, <laughs> in, in recent memory of any team, maybe in letting uh, Hopkins walk out the door. Uh, we have this amazing quarterback, Deshaun Watson. He's currently going as quarterback 354 overall. And that, you know, usually that when we're drafting a quarterback that high, generally means we're excited about his weapons but I don't know if we can can actually can really say that for the Houston Texans I'm sure somebody here is going to be productive but I don't know how to pick which one of the running backs we've got of course David Johnson coming over in that trade and while I want to believe that he still has something less he certainly looked pretty bad uh, at times and it's been a couple of years since he's been a top 10 running back and it's been four years now four seasons now since he was an elite option at the position so uh, I'm not super uh, excited about him at his ADP at, at running back 27 overall Duke Johnson is interesting uh, but they didn't really use him last year when there was even it seemed like there was even more of an opportunity you know with the stiff like Carlos Hyde taking uh, uh, looks away from him you know and then the wide receiver position they brought in Brandon Cooks of course we know his health concerns wide receiver 42 Will Fuller again health concerns all over the place if he is healthy uh, we love that upside at wide receiver 45 and then they also brought in Cobb because that makes up for DeAndre Hopkins loss right at wide receiver 86 overall Uh, and then then, you know, maybe criminally, maybe the guy, maybe the answer is the absolute cheapest one in Kenny Stills, who maybe is the most versatile of all three of those receivers undrafted in, in, in most of the August mocks at wide receiver 102 overall. So I just don't know who, know, know who to trust here in, in this with, with these uh, skill position players. Maybe it's just one of those classic situations like we used to have with Drew Brees, where it just all c- focuses back on the quarterback and he's really the only one we're going to care about in this offense. It's really a mess, actually, in Houston and dynasty owners everywhere are trying to pick their poison, decide who they want to invest in. Matt, if it came down to it, who are you investing in? What, who do you like the best? You know, I want to say it's Cook's because of his ability that we've seen in the past to do it with multiple teams uh, you know that's the the thing is to be concerned about when when players when wide receivers switch teams their first year with a new team but we've seen him do it before the concussions are an issue and then Will Fuller like it, it's like I, I want to believe it like I've never been a fan of his I think like you Dan but you know now that his price tag has dropped all the way down to uh, you know a, a high end or sorry excuse me a low end wide receiver three like or uh, early wide receiver four like the price is now kind of attractive when he's going to be on the field he's going to be productive but you always have that risk as well that you know if you start him he's only going to play half a game and <laughs> if, he, if he continues his normal target volume that we've seen in the past which I have to assume goes up then that could result in a goose egg for a week and it just cost you that game that you started him so it's really it's really concerning I think I would go with Cooks even though he's the most expensive one but we've seen him do it for for multiple teams so uh, I guess I'll go that way yeah I, I'm slowly moving towards the fuller side of this thing and it yeah. feels yeah. it feels kind of yucky it's because of that price you mentioned it late late wide receiver three price tag he's got the connection with Watson if he's healthy he's going to make an impact so if you can get him for that kind of price tag doesn't feel like a bad investment in my opinion let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts Ryan you drew the Colts 
there's a there's a handful of ways you could go with this. Uh, when I think about the Colts, I think about that aging quarterback. I think that young running back. There's a trio of of of, of guys in that backfield to go along with all those weapons on the outside. There's a lot to think about the Colt with the Colts. What's on your mind? Yeah, Paris Campbell's on my mind, and uh, I like partly it partly because I'm not sure what to expect from him. Uh, had a lot of uh, a lot of hype coming into last year. He was a first round rookie pick in many leagues, and w- was a huge disappointment because it felt like he had the opportunity to to step right in as the second guy there in Indianapolis. Uh, and and injuries kind of shut that down really from day one, and and we end up seeing guys like Zach Pascal you know, take over. Now it, it seems like all the good news, all the news has been good for Campbell recently, just since training camp open that he's, he's fully healthy. He's going to play a lot in the slot. Those are both good things for Paris Campbell, but the addition of the addition of Michael Pittman might not be such a good thing for him. So I'm, I'm a little worried that he's already been uh, passed over after just one quiet year. No, no, don't say that, Ryan. I don't want to hear that stuff. Uh, I, I like to believe that he he got stuck under that injury bus a little bit, and he's he's going to finally get his opportunity to break out. He did have a couple of like splash plays where you where you suddenly thought to yourself, "Ooh, who's that guy? That number fifteen uh, making that catch across the middle and then turning it upfield and making a play." Only had twenty four targets in seven games in twenty nineteen. Eighteen catches, one hundred and twenty seven yards in that one touchdown. You 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 mentioned it. He's starting to. There, as we see these beat writers uh, tweet about the Colts offense, they're they're mentioning Paris Campbell more. Uh, his name is coming up. I'm I'm really intrigued to see he what he does as a sophomore. Uh, I, I, man, I want to see him on the field and see what he can do because I was investing a year ago. I'm still holding those shares, and I I still see the upside when it comes to Paris Campbell. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like. I like Paris this year. You know, I, I think I don't think it's a direct line between comparing him to Keenan Allen, but you know, in terms of his ability to get open on short and intermediate routes, he's not the greatest route runner. Uh, when we're talking about downfield, that's when he starts using his speed. But if Philip Rivers sees that kind of ability in him in the short and, and intermediate uh, areas of the field, I think he's really the only one, only receiver that kind of offers that. And we know the the injury concerns are is all are always there with T. Y. Hilton as he gets older, and then you know Pittman certainly seems like he's past him at this point, but. But he's a completely different skill set as well. So uh, I still have hope for Paris Campbell in 2020. I do too, for sure. And, you know, I've kind of expressed my disdain for Phillip Rivers and his upside. But if there's one thing Rivers does, it's check the ball down. Paris Campbell on the crossing routes could be lethal in 2020 with Phillip Rivers under center. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, guys. And there's there's a few ways to go with this one. I drew the Jaguars. But – but really, it's the big playmaker, the guy that that burst onto the scene really in 2019. That's DJ Shark. After him, though, is there anybody else we're we're excited about in that offense? Shark, of course, 73 catches for 1,008 yards and eight touchdowns in that breakout season in 2019. Uh, he moves around the formation a lot. We're expecting that again in 2020, and 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 the lack of playmakers around him on the perimeter. Uh, really, really make you think twice about that offense and, and what's going to come 
going forward. Chark is that clear number one target. There is no number one, number two guy. He was the wide receiver 19 in DLF's latest ADP. It seems like that's where he belongs. I looked at the guys around him and I didn't, I didn't feel like I could move him above anybody. Didn't feel like I was going to bump him down either. Just 23 years old. Some have questioned if he can repeat that 2019 season, uh, new offensive coordinator, that change, of course, to Jay Gruden, who, who features that short passing attack rather than the downfield, push the ball uh, down the field kind of attack that we've seen in the past. Who else is going to catch passes, fellas? Chris Conley, D.D. Westbrook, maybe Tyler Eifert, if he can get on the field for a game or two. Uh, we all like LaVisca Chenault, of course, but he is a rookie. That's really it on that offense. Chark is probably a top 15 wide receiver in 2020. It really feels like that to me, but maybe outside of Fournette, maybe maybe Minshew a little bit in two quarterback leagues. Is there any mining for, for talent in Jacksonville, Ryan? It's pretty ugly right now. I mean, can we count? Uh, can we count Trevor Lawrence? Does does he count already? Uh, <laughs> sure, put him on the team. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I am. I'm excited about Chenault for sure. Uh, I think he he brings something that they certainly don't have. Not not very many teams do have, honestly, in just his versatility. Uh, but definitely on board with DJ Chark, and um, I would not be surprised if he repeats or or even improves on his 2019 numbers. Matt, what about you? Uh, we've all talked about Fournette and his upside, or maybe lack of upside, and and maybe even less now that he doesn't have the maybe that full time pass catching role. What do you think about this Jacksonville offense? Is there anything outside of Chark? I'm 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 increasingly getting more and more excited about Lavisca Chanel. He's managed to stay healthy so far off season. And that was obviously the biggest concern with him. And and none of those injuries that he had, even though they were there are quite a number of them, are ones that are necessarily going to uh, you know be more make him more likely to get injured in the future. So Chanel is the one for me. Uh, I, mean, I think maybe even I'm probably undervaluing him a little bit based on my rankings of him right now. So he's somebody I need to look up and moving up. I think. Yeah, I forgot to tell you also, I, I got a DM from the Bud Light Twitter account today. Sponsor for the show? Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'll, see if I can, I'll see if I can work out a deal. Uh, but they told me to draft Gardner Minshew in, in round one. So take that. Take that info. Wow. Hmm. Wow. I, I don't know where to take that. That's, I'm definitely not taking that to the bank, Ryan. <laughs> That's just what Bud Light thinks. Maybe they've had they've been sipping on it a little, just a little bit too they've much. Had a few too many. <laughs> Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans, Matt. You drew Tennessee, and you want to talk a little bit about that tight end over there. Yeah, Jonu Smith, you know, we we've moved him up. He's currently going as the tight end 16, but I'm 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 not sure that's even that's high enough uh, in terms of August ADP. Uh and if he can emerge as the second receiving option over the last 4 years, things are looking pretty good from him from a historical standpoint. Uh, 96% of top 6 tight ends from the last 4 seasons were either first or second on their team in targets. And if we are correct in completely writing off Corey Davis like it seems we have all the way down at wide 
wide receiver 68, then I think there's a real shot Johnny Smith could be that second target and you know potentially crack that that top 10 certainly and, and maybe even the top top six. Only uh, 44, 44 targets last season, uh, and it's not a direct comparison again, obviously, but if we uh, because there's different weapons there. AJ Brown, of course, there and is certainly going to see more targets than the 84 that he saw last season. But in 2017, when Delaney Walker was kind of at his in his prime still for the Titans, he saw 111 targets. And I don't think we can pencil in that many for John o. Smith. But if he can, you know, get to that 70 to 80 range, then you know I, I think there's a real chance that we're going to see him be that kind of breakout tight end in 2020. It just depends on Corey Davis. So I guess my question for you guys are: Are we are we really done with Corey Davis? Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I would. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I, I would like to see him just get get that fresh start. You know, we hear that a lot with players who have, who struggle early in their in their career, and uh, I think this is a, a clear example of that. Um, not that the Titans are are in, you know a negative environment or anything like that, but he was expected to be the man from day one, and that's a lot to put on a a rookie from a small school. So. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see him go somewhere where he could be the clear second or third option as far as expectations. Yeah, he's he's slowly becoming that, that kind of on that Sammy Watkins plane yeah. where where he's done some stuff and and it's kind of exciting and you see maybe there's still some potential, but he never has grabbed grabbed hold of the reins and now with AJ Brown there, I agree, Ryan. I I just don't know how he does it in Tennessee. Hopefully he gets that second chance. Uh, let's move on to the AFC West guys, Ryan, you got the Denver Broncos who you want to talk about here. It's Drew Locke, uh, because I feel pretty confident with everything else on that roster. I'm, I'm excited about Cortland Sutton and, and Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler's had a lot of, uh, training camp buzz They're they're They seem to be good to go at tight end with a couple of young guys in Fant and Albert O and it's all on Drew Locke, uh, and he got a lot of a lot of hype, a lot of buzz early in the off season as soon as the 2019 season ended because he ended on a hot streak. He he came in and started, and uh, Denver went. I, I believe they went four and one in his starts. Uh, but for fantasy purposes, he he was not a great option. He had one QB one game out of those five games. And we saw Cortland Sutton's numbers drop uh, fairly significantly with with Locke in the lineup. So, I mean, it's going to be a situation, of course, that if they are winning, the the numbers don't matter, but but they matter for us. So um, he he is set up with all the additions they've made uh, this offseason, including Melvin Gordon, didn't even mention. Um, he he's set up to to be the man, and if he doesn't live up to it, I. I just wonder how long the leash is. I, I don't think he's getting pulled for Jeff Driscoll, uh, but if he doesn't succeed, the, the Broncos could be in the quarterback market uh, in the 2021 draft or, or potentially free agent market. Yeah, yet again. It yeah. feels like the Broncos have been doing that for years, and you mentioned some of those names. With, with all those weapons, of course, Sutton and Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler and Gordon and Lindsey and we, you know, even Noah Fant, there's there's just so much there. The expectations are high in Denver. That offense at least needs to take a step forward. And I've been critical of Locke, but I love the opportunity he has going forward. We'll see what he does with it. I, it feels to me, and you outlined it perfectly there, Ryan, that leash lasts throughout 2020. 
But if things are, are going poorly halfway through the season, they're already going to be looking to that 2021 draft or at least that off season. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. When I think about the Chiefs, I don't think about that hot new rookie, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think about that hot second-year player, uh, Mecole Hardman, and that passing game. How can you think about the Chiefs and not think as a dynasty or fantasy owner about the passing game and, and the potential for that to expand and what they could do next, of course, with Tyreek Hill and now Mecole Hardman who can mix into that. The question here is can Mecole Hardman – become that wide receiver two in 2020, uh, really overtake Sammy Watkins. Hardman had 26 catches for 538 yards and six big touchdowns, averaged more than 20 yards per catch on just 45% of snaps last year. He really only has to overcome Sammy Watkins on the depth chart. Watkins already has missed some training camp time. He's got that leg injury. Uh, maybe maybe Sammy Watkins' big postseason guys where, where he caught 14 passes for 288 yards and a touchdown keeps him in the lineup to start the season. But it feels like Hardman is going to overtake him at some point in 2020. That breakout is coming. It, it feels like it to me at least. I, I expect him to potentially even double his 2019 production in 2020. I, I could see like a another big playmaker. It's going to take those big plays, but 50 catches, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. Just as a dynasty owner, that that's great for for those leagues where you don't have to set a lineup, you know. But but as a regular dynasty or fantasy owner, it's going to be tough to know when to start Mecole Hardman, even if he has that breakout. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm more concerned. I think he's still a stash at this point. If we do have an injury situation, that's when I think he becomes the every week starter. I think it's, I think that at the point where you're clicking the start button right now uh, on Mecole Hardman is when. You have that 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 bye week or injury position, and you're just like, what the heck? I'm going to put him in there, and hopefully he catch we catch lightning in a bottle, right? I just I just don't think you're going to ever be starting him as a consistent week to week guy until an injury happens at this point. Yeah, maybe the ultimate best ball guy, but I I really feel like come week I wouldn't be surprised if in week three or four we're we're leaning towards Hardman getting him in as a wide receiver three. Yeah, I mean to be fair, we were saying these these same things about Tyreek Hill. And that's, and that's while fair. he is the big play threat, he he's also been a consistent uh, scoring option for fantasy players. Um, so, did they hit on it again with with kind of the virtually the same player? I, I hope so because I've been drafting Hardman a lot, <laughs> as we all have. Uh, I invested, Matt. I, I feel like you're poo pooing on Hardman because you sent him my way in a in a trade <laughs> earlier this off season. I did just draft him in. I mean, it was a seventeen-team league, but I did draft, just draft him in the seventh seventh round. So, I mean, I, I like oh, him. I like him fine at his upside. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for him, and I hope it works out. I just, in terms of consistency week to week, I have, I have questions. Right yeah, now. consistency is going to be a question. But to be fair, like Ryan said, that's yeah. a that's a problem with Tyreek Hill too. He he has bust games that really hurt dynasty owners as well. If he, if Hardman could do what Tyreek Hill hill does i think we'd all be thrilled uh let's move move out to las vegas uh let's go gamble a little bit with the raiders matt you got las vegas who are we talking about here man i i i don't i just my question really is and i don't i don't have an answer for it, i'm telling you right now uh that 
outside of Josh Jacobs, are we going to feel comfortable starting any Raider in 2020? Ruggs seems like the obvious answer now. Tyrell Williams is going to try to play through this labrum issue. I, I feel like that that is not going to work out well. So it seems like he's going to be a, a beneficiary of that. Uh, although Brian Edwards is really interesting now, if if that happens, uh, and he because he to me he profiles more as that you know that possession guy that that's going to see a lot of looks. Whereas Ruggs, they're going to have to I think they're going to have to manufacture from touches for him. Uh, and then at at the running back position, I, I guess I, I asked the question about Jacobs. We're going to be feel comfortable starting him, but are we going to feel you know running back one level comfortable starting him, starting him finished as uh, there are running back fifteen in terms of uh, points per game last season, but his PPR upside was capped last year, uh, just twenty seven targets, twenty catches, and then they brought in and re-signed a bunch more receiving backs. Brought in Lynn Bowden, of course, re-signed Jalen Richard, just signed Theo Riddick. You know, I, I don't know if Theo Riddick's even going to make the team, but we know that he has been productive as a receiver out of the backfield in the past. So maybe the answer is nobody. I want to say Jacobs is the only comfortable one, um, but for me, I don't think any of the receivers are. Maybe Waller is a beneficiary of Tyrell Williams going on, but I have my doubts that he's going to be able to repeat his 2019 season as well. So this, again, just feels like a team that there's no comfortability week to week in terms of consistency. Well, I think I don't know that I expect Waller to repeat his 2019 season. I think that probably ends up being the best year of his career, but I still think he's a safe guy to lock into your lineup every week uh, for sure. And I won't be surprised if, if one of these receivers by mid season uh, we're, we're feeling pretty good about as well. I'm Tyrell Williams uh, is already hurt. And not that, not that he was providing much, uh, you know, much of a barrier or much of a hindrance for these, these two talented rookies. But um, I, I think at least at least one of them steps up and and uh, shows some consistency that you know by by midseason we're rolling with him in lineups. Ed, quick answer, Ryan. Who's that guy? Who's the rookie wide receiver or the wide receiver that that could be the guy for you? Most it's Edwards for me. Zay Jones. Oh my! Get gosh. out of here. <laughs> Henry Ruggs, I'll take on that one. Uh, the last team we got to talk about, fellas, is the Los Angeles Chargers. And Ryan, you got the Chargers. What do you want to talk about here? I want to talk about the backup running spot, running back spot here. Uh, Melvin Gordon's gone. That leaves Austin Eckler as the starter. Um, and despite the the success he had through the first month of last season, I don't think anybody expects him to be that. 350 touch type of guy that's that's going to keep everybody else off the field so between Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly uh, I think at least one of those guys is really going to matter on a weekly basis Um, I'm not sure which one it is yet I think it's probably Joshua Kelly because I do feel like I feel like Jackson does a lot of the same things that Eckler does well uh, not quite as well as Eckler so I think it's the rookie who's going to get that Melvin Gordon role, and, and that's a big role because once once Gordon came back and uh, starting in week five, he was the RB10 for the rest of the season. Uh, Eckler is even outperformed him. He was the running back five from th- uh, that point going forward. So that just shows uh, how much importance that running game really has for the Chargers and for fantasy players. I think it's I think it's going to be a split to where we're not really going to care uh, about either one of them behind Eckler, honestly. And I, th- I think that Kelly probably has the edge, you know, 
the deeper we go into the season, but I think definitely in, in, in the early, early part of the season, it's going to be Jackson as that relief for Eckler. Uh, but like you said, he offers a different skill set than both of those guys. He's probably going to get the goal line work. Uh, so, uh, and, and, on, and honestly, why not roster both? They're both, they're both cheap enough that, that you could do that. Yeah. Kelly, of course, is the running back 52, 146 overall. And Jackson comes up even lower, of course. He's 177 overall and uh, the running back 60. So really, you could you could just go grab both of them. Hope one of them grabs the reins of that that alternative option in that backfield. The the big question for me, guys, is if Eckler goes down, which one do you want in that case? Because in these deep leagues, Jackson and Kelly are both on rosters, right, Ryan? So which one would you prefer then? I think in that case, I would want I would want Jackson if we knew Eckler was going to miss extended time. Yeah, yeah, it feels that way to me as well. And considering Price, I, I, I've kind of flipped over from Kelly to Jackson. Uh, we haven't we've seen Eckler do that 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 main role, that primary running back role for a stretch of the season. We'll see if he can handle it for sixteen though. Jackson could could become that guy that that has at least short term value moving forward guys we talked about every team in the afc any closing thoughts is there a guy that's on your mind when it comes to the afc maybe somebody we didn't talk about maybe somebody we did talk about what's the big story in the afc matt <laughs> it's got to be clyde edwards hilaire for me i mean is he going to be yeah. everything we think he's going to be is he going to be uh, you know the next top three running back is he going to be the running back one if we're talking about age you know all of these elite running backs that we're talking right now even including Barkley to a little bit lesser degree than McCaffrey uh, and Kamara but even even he is getting up there in terms of uh, this will be his uh, you know headed towards the end of that first contract so if he balls out and he does what we think he's going to do I think there's a real chance just based on on the age discount uh, that we're going to see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire be a a top three if not the running back if not the 1.01 overall in, in, in regular dynasty leagues i think by clyde edwards hilaire you probably meant jonathan taylor that's what you're trying to say ryan something <laughs> no, no. that's on your mind in the afc um yeah i mean i just i just can't quit juju and i think it is such <laughs> it's such <laughs> i love it's it. such a huge year for him because i feel like right now he's kind of that late second early third round startup pick and and i really do feel like he's going to go one way or the other he's either going to return to what we saw the first couple of years and he's going to be a first round startup pick again or uh, he he simply gets outplayed by deontay johnson and and maybe even uh some of the others and and the bottom falls out no, oh, I hope that doesn't happen for for all of us that own Juju in these leagues. For me, it's that it's those big offenses in the AFC. It's the Ravens, it's the Chiefs. We've seen it so many times where these where these teams just take over fantasy football, really take over the NFL, and then the next year things fall off a little bit. The league catches up to them. We've seen it with the Rams a couple of years ago and how dynamic that offense was. Last year, it really wasn't the same. I'm wondering if that Chiefs offense, if that Ravens offense can provide those big playmakers and all those dynasty points that all of us depend on every week. Next week, fellas, we're going to talk about the NFC. We'll do exactly the same thing, cover all 16 teams. We're going to have a lot of fun with this that one. This one, of course, was a lot of fun as well. For Ryan, for Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.
gosh, we killed?